This sermon is brought to you by Shofar East London. Together, living out the fullness of Christ. We hope you enjoy this message. It's great to, uh, great to go to level two. Now we must claim level one in Jesus' name. Freedom. And then, no masks. Hallelujah. Amen. Past now, yes. Spirit of masks out. <laughs> yes, time is up. Amen. Amen. Oh, praise the Lord. But it's great to uh, have you guys join us today. So over this last few weeks, we're doing this series about the invisible war. And we've been having a whole lot of fun, praise God. It's been beautiful. So I've been feeling the Lord... Um, the Holy Spirit has been saying God is doing a spring cleaning on His church. He wants to clean us out so that He can fill us up with His Holy Spirit. And I think what over the last year and a half, what has been happening to a lot of people, but due to COVID and everything with it, is like we've lost ground in our hearts, in our minds, in our lives. So many of us have, have lost some ground and darkness has pushed into our lives on one level or another. So many people are struggling with passivity, spiritual passivity, disconnect with God, anxiety, um, you know, tormenting thoughts, negative, compulsive, irrational, negative emotions and thoughts. And, and those kinds of things are a sign that there's most probably a demonic influence on our lives. And so, so my eyes have been really opened to how many things we're struggling with that actually the, the issue is not natural, but it's supernatural. There's a, there's, a, there's a war. There's an invisible war raging right now, and the enemy's gunning for our hearts. So we need to be aware, okay? So I can't go into the whole intro again, but the last two weeks, you can go watch the messages if you, if you missed it. And we had an incredible freedom encounter this week, and we, wanted that, we want to continue with that today, okay? So we're trusting at the end of this message, I'm trusting for freedom, for each and every one, and also an upgrade in the Holy Spirit. Amen. Come on, say upgrade. upgrade. Everybody loves an upgrade. Ah, that latest, greatest phone. God is into upgrades of the Holy Spirit. He wants to, he wants to clean us out of things that are influencing us and reducing us, because that's what the enemy does. The enemy, demonic influences, reduce us. The Holy Spirit transforms us into who we really are in Christ. Okay, so you want that. So I want to stir your faith. I'm going to uh, today focus on just a few weapons that God has given us in this battle. Weapons that are powerful, weapons that, that, that equip us in this fight of, uh, of winning. And the good news is Jesus has already won the battle for us. He's already won it. We must just enforce that victory in Jesus' name. Okay, so I'm going to give you some ideas about the weapons that God has given to us. So let's go to Exodus 3, verses 9 to 10. Just give you a bit of context of the war, of the battle that is raging. Now, if you, the, the, the whole, the Israelites being slaves in Egypt, that is a picture for us of spiritual slavery. 
So the Israelites were, were, were for hundreds of years slaves of the Egyptians, the Egyptian pharaohs. And that is a picture of demonic slavery that the enemy brings into people's lives. And so at that time, after hundreds of years, the cry of the people came up to God. And then he called Moses. He raised up a deliverer. So it says in verse 9, now there is God speaking. Now therefore, behold, the cry of the children of Israel has come to me. And I've also seen the oppression with which the Egyptians oppress them. And so I feel at this moment, in this season, God is hearing the cries of his children. There's so many struggling, whether depression, anxiety, and I've mentioned a bunch of them. So many people are struggling with a bad self-image. We break ourselves down. There's so much self-hatred and unforgiveness and a whole lot of things that are, are causing bondages in our lives. And God is hearing and he is seeing and he's saying enough is enough. He wants to set you free. Amen? So come on, say it. God wants to set me free. So he's making it available, but you need to choose. You need to say, hey, I'm coming to receive it. I'm coming to receive my freedom. And in verse 10, now God speaks to Moses. He says, come now, therefore, and I will send you to Pharaoh, that you may bring my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. So when God hears and when God sees, then he calls. He raises up a deliverer. Now the good news is that Moses is a type of Christ. The ultimate deliverer is Jesus Christ. But he's calling right now deliverers to rise up, men and women who would partner with God and say, Lord, I'm going to partner with you to bring freedom to people. So we're not only coming for our own freedom, we are coming to be set free, but then also to bring freedom to others. That's what God's doing right now. He's raising up a generation that's going to bring freedom to others. And so what, what I feel God is doing in this church right now is He's preparing us for more of His Holy Spirit, for a greater anointing to set people free. I felt over the last few weeks that the Lord said to me, He's going to send people to us, very broken people, coming from occultic backgrounds or drug addicts or whatever, people that are so bound by the enemy that only a great anointing of God we'll be able to set them free. And I believe God's calling us to prepare an environment where we know who our God is and we know the authority that we carry and then we filled with His Holy Spirit to release inner healing and deliverance to people. Amen. Amen. So God is raising up an army. Are you ready to be part of the army of God? Amen, because that's how you win. You, 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 you win your own freedom and you bring freedom to others. The time of being on the defense is over. It's time to go on the offense. Amen? Come on, say it. I'm going to go on the offense. Amen. Come on. Let's chase the enemy out of our lives in Jesus' name. Okay, so Moses was raised up, and he had this incredible encounter with God at the burning bush. And he was transformed, and he came into this relay. He became the friend of God. And then God could send him forth. And so I believe God wants to enter forth and you can go challenge Pharaoh and say, let my people go. Amen. Come on, say, let my people go. Let my people go. There are people that depend upon you and me to bring freedom to them. But you need that God encounter. 
And, and, and so we've been, ex- oh, beautiful things been happening. Of people experiencing God in an incredible, incredible way over the last few weeks. Miracles are breaking out, incredible stuff. God is doing beautiful things. And he wants you to have that God encounter as well. Come on, do you desire a God encounter? And I want to stir that in you. Say, God, yes, I want, I want, I need you, God. I want, I want more of you. Amen. Come on, say, God, I want more of you. Amen. And so Moses was intimidated. He was like, oh, God, Pharaoh, and he's got occultists, and oh, there's like a, oh, he's like, he's like a demon-possessed man. And Moses was terrified. You know, he's like, I can't do this. God, huh? what must I tell him? And God said to him, just say to him, I am sent you. God with us. The most powerful weapon, weapon number one, the most powerful weapon, the most intimidating weapon that you and I have is our intimacy with God. The most intimidating weapon, the thing that freaks the enemy out like nothing in this world is a man or a woman who's intimate with God. Because you can't be tempted. <laughs> you can't be distracted. He's <laughs> just like Jesus. Jesus, you're my everything. And this morning as I was just worshiping and encountering God, I was just like, I, I'm, I have the stirring in me. I'm tasting more of God. I, I'm experiencing my own life over the last two weeks that I have not experienced in many years. And I'm like, God, more. And I'm like, God, whatever you want, I'll lay it down. Whatever, whatever, any idol, any distraction, anything, Jesus, I want you. And this is what I'm feeling, experiencing God is doing in my life is he's cleaning out my life, cleaning out. It's like my times of prayer with the Lord. It's just Holy Spirit coming say, hey, give me that, give me that, let go of that, forgive that one, let go of that resentment. Let go of that. Let me heal that memory. Let me take you back to that moment. Let me restore you. Let me heal me. You. Let, let me clean you out. Because when he cleans you out, there are good things coming. It's going to fill you up. And I can feel this in my life. And I believe this is what God wants to do with us as a church. He wants to clean you out so that he can fill you up. Amen. Come on, say this with me, Lord, clean me out and then fill me up, fill me up. Yes, that's what God wants to do. And part of what I feel God is saying to me is we need to be unashamed of the Holy Spirit, unashamed, unashamed of God, the Holy Spirit. I mean, can you imagine God, the father is in heaven, Jesus, where's Jesus? Right hand of the Father. He's in heaven. Who's here? And most of the church of Jesus Christ is ignoring and offending, grieving, and quenching the Holy Spirit. That's what most of the church is doing worldwide. And I'm saying, God, not here. (laughs) Not us. Lord, your church. Let's do it your way. There's man's way. It might look smart and fancy, but it doesn't produce the goods. And then there's God's way by the power of the Holy Spirit. And people get saved, healed, and delivered. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So come and say it. I'm not going to be ashamed of the Holy Spirit. You see, the Holy Spirit is God.
The greatest gift that Jesus can give us beyond salvation is the Holy Spirit. God giving himself to us. And there's so many of us who are like, grieving, quenching the Holy Spirit. I'm saying no more. We're going to obey him. Amen. Come and say, I'm going to obey him. Amen. So when the Holy Spirit knocks on your heart, when he knocks and he says, give me that, give it to him. I saw a picture in my mind's eye just of, of you know, the Christ enthroned on our hearts. But there's so much competition. It's not Jesus that's enthroned in many of our hearts or, or aspects of our lives. There are other things enthroned. And we need to push that off the throne and say, hey, get out. That's Jesus' place. Number one in my heart. Number one in my life. Jesus. Every idol must be burned away. It's been said that a thousand problems are solved when we give Jesus his rightful place in our hearts. A thousand problems are solved. You know, so many people, want, they want freedom, but they're not willing to let go and surrender. Now, Jesus, the greatest weapon you have, the most intimidating weapon we have is our intimacy with God. And that means, Jesus, you're my everything. Come on, say, Jesus, you're my everything. Come on, let, let, let me stir it on the inside of you. Jesus, you're my everything. Jesus, you're my everything. Whatever it takes, Lord, whatever I need to lay down, whatever I need to let go of, every other thing must go in Jesus' name. Come on, say it. Every other thing must go. Every idol must go in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen, amen, amen. So God wants to burn those things out of us, and He wants to fill us with His Holy Spirit. Oh, there's so many of us that have... Uh, who's ever watched a horror movie? Unfortunately, when I was young, I didn't sleep for three months. It was shocking. Uh, but you know the story. The horror movie is the enemy's marketing team. At some point, a priest comes forth to try and stop the evil. And then he goes next level. He takes out a crucifix. And then the enemy laughs at him and like burns up the cross crucifix and is like, oh, whatever, you know. And then the priest gets clapped and he runs away and we're like, oh, the devil is so powerful. It's a lie. It's a lie from the pit of hell. Jesus dethroned, disarmed, and defeated the enemy at the cross 2,000 years ago. Amen. Amen. You, you, you don't even need a crucifix. You just need Jesus in you. Amen. And you have him. He's with you. He loves you. We are not intimidated with the enemy. But it's time for us to clean out our lives. To get the enemy out so that we can be filled up with the Holy Spirit. So 2 Corinthians 10 verse 3. It speaks about the weapons that we have. For though we live in the world, we do not wage wars. The world does. Guys, we're supposed to be different. We're supposed to be different. We're supposed to not be in function like the world. Verse 4. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. We don't use guns or other negative stuff. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. Divine power. Heavenly power. Heavenly weapons that God imparts into our lives so that we can give the enemy a proper hiding. He needs a hiding. Over and over again. A proper hiding. 
We demolish arguments and every pretension. It just says ultimately you need to win the fight in your mind. In ungodly imaginations and thoughts and emotions, you need to bring that into submission to Christ and get the enemy out. So about a month ago, a random lady contacted me in East London. She's a, sort of a Christian, believes in Jesus, but functions with on other different interesting ways. And she's an exorcist. So she, they promote themselves on Facebook. If, you, if you're hearing sounds in your house... Phone us. <laughs> Who are you going to call? Who are you going to call? The Ghostbusters. Okay, says so one of those. <laughs> and so she contacts me because there's some people in Johannesburg and there's some crazy stuff happening in the house. And the, she's like, this is like, she's terrified because this is beyond her pay grade. This is beyond what she can do. And I was like interested. So, so how do you do it? How do you clean out houses? She says, no, well, we use salt and incantations, and things like that. And I'm like, nah. Sure, if my faith had to be in salt and incantations. No, my faith is in Jesus. And I was like, I am not afraid. You know, the enemy's been defeated. But anyways, it was interesting. You know, that people are trying to clean out houses and things, and uh, they don't even know Jesus in the sense of intimately and powerfully. So our intimacy with Jesus causes us to be known in heaven and feared in hell. Known in heaven and feared in hell. I'll give you an example. Acts 19, verse 13 to 17. The apostle Paul was like the apostle of apostles. The previous verse speaks of these incredible miracles that would happen through his life. And then it says, verse 13, then some of the itinerant Jewish exorcists took it upon themselves to call the name of the Lord Jesus over those who had evil spirits, saying, we exercise you by the Jesus whom Paul preaches. Because they've seen the power. They've seen when, Jesus, when Paul speaks in the name of Jesus, things happen. So like, hmm, maybe we can also just say it. Jesus, out in Jesus' name. So let's see what happens. Verse 14. So also there were seven sons of Sceva, a Jewish chief priest who did so. They thought it's just like an incantation. You just use the name of Jesus. And the evil spirit answered and said, you have to love this. This is like a famous, famous spirit now. And the evil spirit answered and said, Jesus I know, and Paul I know. Now who are you? <laughs> now when a demon tells you who are you, you're in trouble. Run, 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 run. Jesus I know. Paul, I know, but who are you? Then the man in whom the evil spirit was leapt on them, overpowered them, prevailed against them, and they fled out of that house naked and wounded. And this became known both to all Jews and Greeks dwelling in Ephesus, and fear fell on, on them all. And the name of the Lord Jesus was magnified. You have to love it when demons bring glory to Jesus. <laughs> the name of Jesus. Come and say, the name of Jesus. The name above every other name. The name above every other name. But you need to know him to be able to use his name. Not just incantation. You need to know him. When you are intimate with God, when you are known in heaven, you will be feared in hell. And so if you go back to that verse 15 where the spirit says, and the evil spirit said, Jesus, I know, Paul, I know, but who are you? You see how this works is if you and I have intimacy with God, then we are seated with Christ in the heavenlies. We are known in the third heavens. That's where God reigns. 
Then you have the second heavens. That's the spirit realm. That's where the, the devil and his demons function. The second realm, the second heavens. And then you have this realm, the natural realm. Now, the good news is if you are seated in heavenly places, if you are seated up there, you will be known in the second realm. And you will have authority in the next realm. Okay, so you want to you have that intimacy. That intimacy is what intimidates the enemy. That's where you want to be. So when you are known in heaven, you will be feared in hell. You will be feared by the enemy. So let's, let's draw near to Jesus. You know, as we did this, doing this series on, on the enemy, the danger is, is that we take our eyes off Christ and we put it on evil. Don't do that. This is the mission. Eyes on, on Christ, enemy under your feet. Don't take your eyes off Jesus. Don't get so interested in occultic stuff. You don't need to know all this stuff. You just need to know Jesus. And then you need to say, out, in Jesus' name. Come on, let's practice. Say, out, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Yeah, so when you're known in heaven, you'll be feared in hell, but you need to have your eyes on Jesus. Don't be so intrigued by evil. That is a trap of the enemy. So anything that is anti-natural and compulsive, Irrational, irrational, compulsive, unnatural. Where is this coming from? What is the root? What is the source? And then the greatest characteristic of demonic activity in a person is that the individual finds no rest for his soul. Okay, if you don't have rest for your soul, you probably need some freedom. You need Jesus to, to come and bring freedom. I want to encourage him. It's not like necessarily weird and crazy and whatever else. It just really is the love of God just flooding in. Holy Spirit filling you and then everything else leaving. In Jesus' name. So you have nothing to fear or be worried about. Okay, Matthew 10 verse 1. This is Jesus re releasing authority to his disciples. And when he called his 12 disciples to him, he gave them power over unclean spirits. He gave them power over unclean spirits. Come and say, I have, power I have power over unclean spirits. And says they to cast them out and to heal all kinds of sickness and all kinds of disease. And that's where we're going to get with the school of the supernatural. October is healing month. So we're just cleaning things out this month. And then we're trusting God for a beautiful, mighty move of his Holy Spirit. So Jesus commissioned his disciples. You have power. You have authority to clean out lives and to bring healing in my name. So come on, take up that authority. It's yours. So Revelation 12, verses 7 to 11. If you go read all of those verses, you can see it. It just speaks about this, this spirit war. It says, then there was a war in heaven. This is the original war where it started. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon and his angels. And the dragon lost the battle. You're going to see a trend here. Come on, say Lost. He loses, and then he loses some more, and then he loses some more. The dragon lost the battle, and he and his angels were forced out of heaven. Verse 9, this great dragon, the ancient serpent called the devil or Satan, the one deceiving the whole world, was thrown down to the earth with all his angels. See, they lost again. Verse 10, then I heard a loud voice shouting across the heavens, it has come at last, salvation and power. And the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Christ. For the accuser of our brothers and sisters has been thrown down to earth. The one who accused him before our God day and night. 
You see, it's one of the schemes of the enemy. He's a deceiver. He lies to you. And if you believe his lies, he gets a hold. And he's also the accuser. So he accuses you continuously. Just thoughts. Thoughts. You're not good enough. You're not good enough. You're not good enough. You're so bad. It's all your fault. He's just accusers, 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 accusers. And then sometimes he accuses us through people. He often uses people. And those words, like we remember those words with the accuser. So he is a acu- an accuser. Come on, say accuser. Accuser, don't fall for his accusations. And then verse 11, now here's the, the keys, the, the, the weapons that I want to share with us. It says, and they have defeated him. Come on, say defeated him. Defeated. defeated. So you see again, an enemy loses again. Must be terrible. Just losing, losing, losing. Now you've heard that, that if, the, if, the, if the devil ever writes an autobiography, you know, if you heard what it, what, oh, I must remember now what it says. Oh, yes, thank you, thank you, thank you. See, somebody's been discipled well in this church. If the enemy ever write a book about his life, the devil write a book, he would call it, it backfired again. Woo-hoo. It backfired again. Amen. Even when the enemy is trying to work through people, it brings glory to Christ. God always wins. So anyway, so they have defeated him by the blood of the Lamb. And by their testimony, they did not love their lives so much that they were afraid to die. So there's some weapons that I want to highlight to us. Okay, so the first one is the so weapon number two, the blood of the lamb. So you need to remove the enemy's legal access out of your life. You need to remove the enemy's legal access. That's, you do that with the blood. So how do you do this? Like, apply the blood. Apply the blood. In Jesus' name. How do you apply the blood? How does this work? Imagine for a moment, for the next six months, every time you take out the rubbish, you don't chuck it outside, you chuck it in your house. You turn over the black bag and you just chuck it all out. In your kitchen, living room area, in your bed, bedroom. How would that be after six months? (laughs) Smelly. Sis. Eh? What would happen if all, with all that rubbish, flies would be attracted to it like crazy? Do you agree? Okay, so the rubbish, those are sins. That's sin. The enemy is like a fly and he's drawn to rubbish. So you need to remove the rubbish if you want to be free from demonic Oppression or influence. You need to clean out the rubbish. Okay, so you need to start off by saying, This is rubbish. Some of us are like cuddling our rubbish. Oh, this is so nice. You're like in your bed and you're just hugging this, like, froth something, you know, like it's just, it's terrible. It's stinky. It's terrible. You're like, Oh, this is comforting me. No, it's not. It is stuffing up your life. You need to say it as it is. This is sin. If the Bible calls it sin, it's sin. And it draws the enemy. It's rubbish. And you're going to say, this is sin. It needs to be out. And sometimes sin is not how we think. Some things are blatant. Especially unclean sexual activities. It's, it messes up our lives. Anything outside of God's boundaries, it messes up our lives. Draws the enemy. But other things as well. Unforgiveness. The Bible says it's wickedness. When we don't forgive people, it's wickedness. Because God is saying, okay, so I must forgive you, but you're not willing to forgive others? Your sins against God is a thousand times worse than anybody's sin against you. Forgive. 
Or maybe fear. You're like, fear. Yeah, fear is, fear is a massive sin. Fear is a sin against God because I'm not trusting in God. It's a sin. Call as it is. Fear is not of God. You are not a fearful person. Come on, say it. I'm not a fearful person. But some of us are being tormented by spirits of anxiety and fear. And you think it's you. It's not you. The Word of God says, I have not, God has not given you a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. So, expose it. This is garbage. This is rubbish. Come on, say it. This is rubbish. And it must out. Amen. So how do you clean out your house? 1 John 7. It says, but if we walk in the light as he is in the light, you know, shine the light of Jesus on the rubbish. Like, that is a sin. That is just not of God. That is legal access for the enemy. You want to remove the legal access of the enemy? You need to say, hey, it's a sin. Shine the light of Christ on it and get the enemy out. We have, it says, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. Do you see it? Then the blood washes you clean. When you walk in the light. When you confess, when you repent, when you forgive, then the blood of Jesus. The blood of Jesus is the most powerful cleaning agent in the world. Better than Domestos or Handy Andy. It just cleans out our lives. But you need to walk in the light. You need to say, hey, I'm exposing the rubbish. Get out. So you want to live a lifestyle of walking in the light and applying the blood continuously. So that's what you want to do. You want to apply, have communion every day. And when you have communion, then you say, God, I bring, this, I bring my life before you, God. And you evaluate your life. You evaluate your heart. And you, then you say, God, forgive me for that. And I, re- I repent of that. And I forgive that one. And Lord, I bring it into the light. Apply. Then, then the blood of Jesus floods through your house and cleans it all out. Amen. Hallelujah. Okay, so the next one, weapon number three, and this is where Rachel must come and join me. And I need to do a little, I forgot in the first service, a little bit of marketing. If you ever want to buy a house or sell a house, speak to her. Okay, she's brilliant. She is brilliant. Okay, <laughs> so I want to just share a little bit of, so, so, so Rachel has a, you know, parents were um, missionaries in Kenya and uh, grew up in a, in a Baptist Christian home, and, uh, <laughs> which is good, solid in the Word, and, but a little bit afraid about the things of the Holy Spirit. So uh, give us a bit of a background. Yeah, so, so my, my parents are, they're American, went to Kenya to be missionaries. They, they are still there, Baptist. And we grew up in the, just um, not knowing a lot about the Holy Spirit. It was something that was kind of just brushed over. Um, that part in Acts and 1 Corinthians was not for me. It wasn't for us. It was for the Bible time. So um, healings and things like that weren't really part of what I knew about, you know, that, that God could do. Okay, and so obviously you grew up and then you met your husband-to-be, Brett, who comes from a charismatic church background, so he believes in healing and the fullness of the Holy Spirit. And, uh, and that obviously complicated things a little bit. So when I was telling my dad that I wanted to get married, um, I, I purposely left out the fact that uh, Brett was charismatic. And so when Brett went to meet with him to ask for my hand in marriage, 
uh, he started to ask Brett, you know, do you believe in healing? What do you believe? And Brett was like, of course I do. And, and then it came out that he is charismatic. And, um, and he said, oh, no, 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 whoa, whoa. Um, you, can't get, we, you can't marry her. So Brett just calmed the situation down. I'm, Rachel and I love the Lord with all of our hearts. And we want to serve the Lord, and that's the most important thing. So that calmed him down, and he, okay, you can get married. <laughs> Thank goodness. Okay, so then you, you, got, you guys got married, and obviously this caused a bit of conflict, spiritually yes. conflict in your lives, and there's yeah. a share a bit about that. So for the first 13 years, we've been married for 20. Um, I, every time we talked about or, or would read in the Word or just discuss anything spiritual, I was very... Um, I would just, we would argue. I was argumentative, and he was wrong, I was right. And all the stories that he would say about the healings he, he'd seen, and I would just, yeah, okay, cool. It, it wasn't real to me. So um, it was very difficult for Brett because he also, um, he had the gift of tongues, and he couldn't use that at all. It was something that he kept quiet. So tough 13 years. First 13 years were challenging. Your wife giving you grief. Okay, so, so I mean, that was the first 13 years. And then what happened? How did, where did things change? Did, did you begin to desire? Did you desire more of the Holy Spirit? Or what, yes, what happened? So we started at Shofar about 10 years ago. And then seven years ago, um, Brett actually encouraged me to go on the retreat, the women's retreat. So I went, and um, uh, at that particular retreat, Sonica wanted to pray for anyone who wanted to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And I really felt at that stage that I was ready. So I asked Sonica. Sonica prayed for me, and she just prayed for the Holy Spirit to touch me from my head to my toes. And I could feel tingling from my head to my toes. And I knew in that moment that I was filled with the Holy Spirit. Yeah. Awesome. And then the next day, she called for anyone who wanted to the gift of uh, tongues. And I was like, I know, I want it. I'm ready. <laughs> and so um, Sandra prayed for me, and I received the gift of tongues. And when I came home from camp, I said, Brett, guess what? <laughs> I said, I'm filled with the Holy Spirit. And he was like, hallelujah. <laughs> <laughs> Amen. Beautiful. Yeah. So I just felt like it just deepened our relationship, um, our marriage. I felt like we were more in unity with anything we prayed about. It was let's ask the Holy Spirit. Let's pray over it. We pray in tongues together. It's really um, just I don't, deepened our, our marriage. And then also it opened uh, your, to the other gifts. It, yes. You started to yeah. start flowing in other gifts of the Holy Spirit. Yeah, so I, I, I really desired the gift of prophecy. So um, that was the other thing. So then someone prayed for me for that, and I received the gift of prophecy at the same time. Amen. Yeah. And yeah. Amen has transformed your life. Yeah, I just feel it, it, what it did was it gave me a real understanding of who God was. Um, because before it was like God was some distant... God, you know, and the Holy Spirit made God real to me. I could hear the voice of the Lord now. What is he saying to me? Where is he leading me? And it's just amplified my Christian walk. Amen. Awesome. Give her a hand. Thank you so much. So that is weapon number three, the word of your testimony. 
When you agree with God in terms of what he has done, I mean, a testimony is, I've seen this, I have experienced this, this is what God has done in my life, then you release that same grace over others. And I just love what God has done in, in their lives. So, so the word of your, te- we overcome the enemy by the blood of the lamb, we remove agreement, we relieve, remove the legal access of the enemy, but now we need to agree with what God is saying. We need to say what God is saying. We need to share what God is doing. So I love this, uh, um, I was reading a book called Unveiled. It's about a guy who, he can see into the spirit realm. He sees demons, he sees angels. He, he's just so aware. He's continuously like open vision, seeing everything happening around him. And he was sharing about how the words we speak in the physical realm move mountains and bend destinies in the spirit realm. So there's some of the things he says. He says, here in this world, you encourage someone. But there, in the spirit realm, you give the tools, you give them the tools to climb out of a pit. Here, you lay your hand on someone's shoulder. There, you're marking a life for blessing. Here, you say a simple prayer. There, the hosts of heaven receive their battle commands. Here, you sing a pretty song. There you stand in the throne room of God, releasing glory to the king of all kings. Amen. Here you drop a check in the offering bin, but there you set your crown at his feet. You worship him. On earth you pray for a sick person. In heaven you are a co-heir with Christ, pouring the bounty of his kingdom onto his children. It's powerful when you're seated in heavenly places. So you are doing something very natural, but because you're seated in heavenly places, you are releasing. Because you are agreeing with God, you are releasing the kingdom of God into people's lives. And so what's connected to this is what uh, Rachel now also shared. So weapon number four, praying in the spirit or praying in tongues. Praying in tongues or in the Spirit is perfect agreement with God. In our life encounter, we share more about this. I'm just going to touch very shortly on this. But when you are, you, you know, you give your life to Jesus and you are born again by the Holy Spirit. But then there's a second step, which is called the baptism of the Holy Spirit or the infilling of the Holy Spirit, which happened on Pentecost, Acts chapter 2. Tongues of fire on every head. They were empowered to release the kingdom of God into the earth. So you are born again, but you're not necessarily filled with the Holy Spirit. And when you are baptized in the Holy Spirit, then you receive your prayer language. Okay, now this is really important and really powerful. So I want to ask you a question. Is the Apostle Paul the apostle of all apostles? Yes, he was a beast. He's the man writing half of the New Testament, incredible miracles happening in his life like no other, uh, even of the other apostles. I mean, he himself said that his labor far, went far beyond all the other apostles. I mean, the grace of God in his life was something phenomenal. What was his key? What did he do more than anyone else? 
Do you know? I'm going to show you now. 1 Corinthians 14, verse 18, in the ESV. Legitimate Bible translation. The Apostle Paul is saying, I thank God that I speak in tongues more than all of you. Huh? Let that sink in for a moment. It's not gibberish. It's not just uh, going through you. Just like, no, you're not just being emotionally ecstatic. No. Praying in tongues or praying in the Spirit is a heavenly language, a heavenly prayer language that's imparted to your spirit. The Holy Spirit comes and lives on the inside of you, empowers your spirit to pray to God the perfect prayer. It is perfect agreement with the Word and the will of God. It is a mighty weapon in the Spirit. My eyes have been opened. I mean, imagine this. Paul says he, he prays more in tongues than all of you. That means... Hours and hours every day, Paul the Apostle was praying in tongues. Now, if he is doing it, do you think we need to do it? We do. There's such power in it. About two weeks ago, the Lord spoke to me. I had this incredible encounter with God. I had a download from heaven about three weeks ago. I just typed that prophetically what God was downloading, the Holy Spirit was downloading into my heart. And the Lord said to me, Andre, tongues. Pray in tongues. And it gave me a whole lot of things of why. But since then, I felt the Lord said, every day for an hour, pray in tongues. But align, focus your heart, your mind on Jesus. Pray in tongues. And it's going to unlock another dimension of the Spirit in your life with signs and wonders following. And that's what we've been seeing over the last three weeks. We've seen miracles break out. We've seen people having God encounters like I have not seen in at least five years. God showing up. And He gave me a key. So, praying in tongues, this is some of the things the Holy Spirit said to me. Praying in tongues is powerful. Praying in tongues, your spirit language, prayer language, is spiritual warfare. Fix him out. Now, if something freaks the devil out, I'm in. Let's do it. <laughs> uh, there's a book by um, Dr. Bull, is it Hammond? 70 Reasons to Pray in Tongues. I've been reading a little bit of this week. Amazing book. Check it out. And he said, basically, one of the things he said was that God is a giver. He, he only gives the best. So Father God gave his best gift. What was that? His son, Jesus. Then Jesus comes and he gives his best gift. Holy Spirit. And then the Holy Spirit comes and he gives his best gift. Praying in tongues. I never saw that. Because I know the scriptures say that the best of the nine gifts is prophecy. But there's a gift that's outside of the nine gifts. It is your prayer language. Your prayer language, your praying in the spirit, gives you access to all the other nine gifts. Your prayer language, why is it the best gift the Holy Spirit can give you? Because it is intimacy with God. It is your spirit Praying intimately to the Father, spirit to spirit. I mean, the greatest gift, as I said earlier, the, the most intimidating weapon God has given us is intimacy. And you have intimacy when you have the Holy Spirit. And then you start praying in the Spirit, in tongues. 
You access power, you access intimacy, you access downloads from the Holy Spirit. And it also what it does is it's like your spirit is like a battery, a spiritual battery. So when you're praying in the spirit, when you're praying in tongues, it's a non-understandable language. Sometimes it's human languages. I've supernaturally spoken human languages as I was praying or speaking in tongues. Happened multiple times. So that can be, but that's the gift in terms of one of the nine. This is your prayer language. Every believer can pray in the spirit. Every believer. You must just ask God for the fullness of his spirit. Then he empowers your spirit and then you pray. Okay, so there's a battery on the inside. The more you pray in tongues, the more the battery charges. Now, who hates a flat phone? Yeah. A flat battery on your phone. That just freaks you out. It's useless. Most Christians are flat. Pop. Nothing happening. No power. No miracles. Not hearing the voice of God. Flat. Come on, say it. I don't want to be Flat. No, no, you want to be charged. Uh, you want to be charged. And so, so as I've been every day for an hour or more, I've just been praying in the Spirit, praying in the Spirit, and the result is I can feel an increase of power in my life. Now when I pray for people, the kingdom comes. Like I have, if you were here yesterday with Encounter 4, you will, there was just, oh my goodness gracious, the kingdom is coming the kingdom is coming. The kingdom is coming. Rivers of living waters are crashing forth when we build up our spirit. So look at this, Jude, verse 20 to 21. It says, but you, my delightfully loved friends, constantly and progressively build yourselves up on the foundation of your most holy faith by praying every moment in the spirit. That's tongues. Praying in the Spirit is praying in tongues, praying in, the, praying in the Holy Spirit. You build yourself up. You build up your spirit man. So guys, it's time to up our game. It's time to apply the weapons that God has given to us. Uh, who's got gym membership but you really go? I've been there. Pointless. So you need to be baptized in the Holy Spirit, and then you need to be focused in your prayers. So it builds up, it increases your faith, and it increases your power and authority. The Lord said to me, Andre, I want to expand you, your spirit man. I want to expand you. So if you're not huge in the natural, praise God, you can be huge in the spirit. (laughs) You can be ripped in the spirit. But it's God, the Holy Spirit, working through us, manifesting through us. And what the Lord said to me is you need to be aligned. In other words, you can't have idols and your mind is distracted and you're all over the show and you're so bound by a lot of rubbish. That's not going to be powerful. You need alignment. Soul, spirit, body. Focusing on Jesus, your mind, your heart. Focusing on Jesus and then you pray. You pray in the spirit. You loose your spirit man by the power of the Holy Spirit to pray to heaven and it begins to, you begin to access revelation. You begin to access the power of God. You begin to, those rivers of life begins to flood through your life. And then, when you, can't, you come face to face with the devil, he's going to say, I know you. And I'm in trouble. Should I go? Yeah, yeah, go, go. Okay, come on, say it. power and authority. Power. That's what's available. 
when we get filled with the Holy Spirit and we begin to pray in tongues. So this is like an announcement I want to make to us as a church community. Guys, let's up our game. Let's pray in the Spirit. Let's be unashamed of the Holy Spirit. It's in the Bible. And as I love Rachel's testimony, some parts of the church globally just ignore it because they just don't know. They haven't experienced it. But we know, we have experienced, and there's more. Come on, say there's more. It's time to step up our game. And how about when before you go to work every morning, 30 minutes, tongues, just praying. Just slap the devil. <laughs> Come on, that, that's a good picture for me. <laughs> Weapon number five, and then just going to mention it, not love their lives unto death. And I spoke about the previous two Sundays. We need to crucify the flesh, cast out every demonic influence. Amen. So here's a summary of the five weapons I wanted to highlight. Your, your, your most intimidating weapon is intimacy. And it connects with weapon number four. Praying in the Spirit. It is intimacy. You are known in heaven. And when you speak, the kingdom of God comes. So let's use our weapons. Let's apply our weapons. Let's begin to function in all that God has given to us. Amen. Thank you for listening. Find more on Shofar East London's podcast channel. Let's do life together.